Fresh off a race win, last time out in Austin, I've got sat beside me, Valtteri Bottas. Thanks for giving me the time here, Valtteri. I know you've uh, had a quick turnaround from Austin, now back home, uh, but a weekend like that, you must come home with a smile on your face. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me, first of all. Um, yeah, fresh from Austin, obviously always the time between the races, once you've had a nice one, is much happier time, you know, so still for sure, when thinking about it, the last race uh, always puts a smile on your face so um, yeah very very good momentum at, at the moment and that's why i really look forward to the last couple of races actually we only have left of, of this season but uh, you've still got two rounds left and the one thing that i don't envy you guys is having to do the simulator work so you mentioned before uh, before we started the episode that you came home from austin and then you already had to do simulator work for us guys at least we go home and we can ride some motorbikes for fun if we want some motocross or something but it's not work we don't have to put the stopwatch on if we don't want to, but when you guys go into the simulator, it is non-stop. So I gotta say, I'm so glad that with motorbikes so far, we haven't got a simulator, <laughs> but you guys, uh, you have to do quite a lot of that work during the year. Yeah, exactly. So um, I got back from, from Austin on Monday, um, had a Tuesday off um, here in Monaco, and then Wednesday, we actually had like a team celebration for, for the sixth uh, title, which is pretty impressive by the team. Obviously, I've been only part of, of three of them now, with them but um, yeah so that was that on Wednesday and then Thursday I had a pretty much full day in, in the simulator uh, with some engineer, engineering meetings as well with the guys reviewing the, the last race but yeah nowadays with with the nowadays technology you know simulator work has become more and more important as, as they're really developing they are becoming more and more closer to real life racing and you know in terms of how the car feels and responds and everything so it's not anymore that the teams can, can get lots of information out of those in terms of testing different setups and, um, you know, all, all kinds of new new parts in the car, etc. Et but also the drivers, you know, we can really get a benefit. And actually that session I had on, on, on uh, in, in the simulator at the factory was very much based on, on my development program that we have with the engineers. So we found some, some weaknesses always here and there, but the main weaknesses we were trying to focus on on different things, on, on different type of corners that I sometimes struggle in certain circumstances. So we had like a special track with only two corners going around and I did hundreds and hundreds of laps and tried different driving techniques and then reviewing the data and, you know, you know really trying to improve uh, with the simulator. So it's, it's hard work, but it's worth it. Even though you gain a thousandth or, or a hundredth of a second, it, it's going to be worth it. I love that mentality. You come off a weekend where your pole position race win and then you're like, yeah, we're in the simulator working on our weaknesses. Anybody else would be like beer in hand saying, no, <laughs> come get me, <laughs> come chase me down. But that's the mentality it takes, doesn't it? If you want to stay at the top, you can't rest on your laurels. And especially in your sport, it's ever changing, ever developing. You, you can't rest for a moment. You can't. And in the end, it, it is up to you, you know, as long as you want to improve, um, there's no limit, but once you get satisfied and you stop working for it, you're not going to improve. So for sure, every, everyone is working hard in this sport and I just try to be better than them on that because I, I still also have time in my career. I'm 30 now and I feel I'm still kind of peaking. So I think the best years are still ahead for me and I want to make sure that I, I make most of out of it. Well, I think everybody in the sport admires what you did because last year was so tough. For you seeing uh, for one reason or another not being able to, to land a race win some of the 
circumstances were, were out of your hands and then to bounce back and win the open open race in australia that was something else but that's what it, you had to do you had to go away and yeah look at how you could improve and then you bounce back and this year you've been the best valtteri bottas we've seen thanks yeah last year was definitely definitely a tough year you know because i had with it with a team in 2017 i had a nice kind of first year learned a lot you know got a couple of wins a couple of poles so i knew that you know then 2018 it's going to be going to be big but it turned out to be a season without a single win and from mid-season point onwards things started to go really really south uh, i wasn't feeling good anymore mentally in, in the car and that could really re re reflect into my driving and lap times and just how, how the things went you know i also had to become more more in a support role in a, in a team and once i lost the title hopes and i knew that okay most races it's going to be my job is going to be to help my teammates rather than actually what my mentality is is to try and always go for the win it was difficult to accept and yeah i was pretty pretty down at some difficult times after that season and um, it took quite a while to really really bounce back but it was funny it was like a switch when i found the energy the motivation again and kind of the the right mentality and spirit and a great time for me as well to try and change some things in, in my preparations for her, for the races for the season what i do between the races and everything so found completely a new way of of, of working a new mentality for everything that that is involved in, in in the sport and yeah it's been my best season ever so yeah. obviously aim was to win it i, I did, couldn't do that in, in the season but got some nice races and what makes me the most happy is really seeing the, the improvements you know I've, I've been able to do throughout the season and, and since last year and I feel like we're on, on the right path now you know with, with my performance and the way we work with engineers and everything so that's why I really really can't wait for what's, what's ahead. Well that's clear you're enjoying your racing again and I'm sure the days you enjoyed probably as much as any was when you started out karting and now from in the movie with Ayrton Senna, even when he talks about yeah, some of his best years was karting. And for guys outside of the sport, we think, wow, how could that be your best years whenever you're winning Formula One titles and all the rest? You know, that surely is the top. That's what every kid dreams of. But it's true, isn't it? Your early days, you look back a little bit through rose tinted glasses, I'm sure, because you always just remember the good times. But there was no pressures. It was solely for the love of it, love of what you were doing. Um, you started out similar race to me right when you were a kid. So, um, what was the <laughs> who put you in a cart first off? Who thought this would be a good idea to get you behind four wheels instead of putting a tennis racket in your hands? Yeah, exactly. So when I got to try and go kart, which at the first time when we tried, it didn't happen because I was too small to fit in any of the carts. But um, then the next next uh, year we went back after eating porridge all through the winter, as my granddad told me it would help. I did, so we went back, I managed to try try the go-kart and uh, I was five years old and immediately, just, I never you know, felt anything like that in my life, the speed, you know, the, how cool it was, how, how, how much fun I had, um, I really fell in love with the sport and decided and told everyone I'm going to be a Formula 1 driver and one day I'm going to be world champion, wow. so I'm still living that dream and uh, yeah, it's, um, it's pretty cool when you think about it and I try to remind myself every day that it's actually happening and uh, but yeah those karting days I, I really enjoyed you know obviously 
even at that level nowadays, there starts to be a bit of politics. You know, there's lots of money involved and lots of people are trying to make business out of it. But still, for me, it was the purest form of, of motorsport time time I had. As as you go up to categories, yeah, obviously, more and more money politics becomes involved. Um, fights for the for the team leaderships and big sponsorships and these kind of things and and Formula One, you know, it's such a big thing um, that there's so many things that affects you know the driver selections and um, all kinds of kinds of things and how, how th things work in, in the team and so on so to be honest yeah. as a kid uh, I thought you know it would be just driving Formula One then one day you know racing against the best you know between the races hang around have fun <laughs> but uh, it's quite different what I what I kind of thought as, as a kid but fair enough you know even everything that is involved I wouldn't change a single day of the sacrifices, commitments I, I made, and um, yeah, it's we still get to race against the best drivers in the world and in, in the best cars, uh, fastest cars around the circuit. So, and that's pretty cool, even though taking everything that comes with it. Uh, it's like the Americans say, it is living the dream, but mm. unfortunately, there can be some nightmares along the way. But hey, when you made a statement like that, whenever you were five years old I'm sure everybody just kind of rolled their eyes and thought oh, another kid with a big dream oh, yeah. it's hard to believe what you have achieved then but at that stage there was Mika Hacken would have been driving in Formula 1 so I guess in, in Finland he yeah. would have been such a, a huge sports star so I can imagine the same for me Eddie Irvine was an Irish driver and coming through so I was watching Formula 1 as well for Jordan Grand Prix was an Irish team mm. so I was uh, keen on, on four wins too but for you to actually have a Finnish driver at the top of the sport, it must have given you, the, you know, aspirations, and uh, and then you would begin to think, ah, Finnish guy can do it, <laughs> maybe I can too. Exactly, you know, as a kid, yeah, when I started go-karting, there was actually always two or three drivers from, from Finland in Formula 1, and the most successful was, was Mika, and um, yeah, he won the title in 98-99, I was watching every single race, and his first win in Formula 1, at the last race of 97, I rem remember it like yesterday, watching at home and cheering. And especially, you know, for me, he was a big hero of, co of because of his career went. So he had this big accident in Adelaide in 95. Uh, you know, he, you know, he ne nearly died. He was in coma for a while and he bounced back. You know, he kept fighting. And for, he to, for him, it took, I think it was like seven years or whatever, for, before his first win in Formula 1. So that tells something about, you know, not ever giving up on your dream and then he made it. He had two kick-ass seasons, you know, he was the only one who could really fight with Michael at that time. And um, yeah, he did it. So massive hero, massive motivation and looking up at him, you know, on the podium. Me watching home on TV, I was just thinking, wow, that's where I want to be one day. So it really, really makes a difference when you have those kind of heroes. I read that you were involved then in the, the Finnish national karting squad and I'm just keen to ask you about that because uh, what did that entail? Was that because of four wheels being so big in Finland that they did set up a squad? Was this just for inside Finland or were you guys traveling around Europe? Yeah, you know, it's funny, it's a, it's a small, small small country, small nation. We have 5.5 million people in, in whole Finland, which is less than most of, you know, big cities around the world. Um, 
but still we, we pr produce quite a bit of drivers, and especially for wheels like rallying, um, yeah, for one uh, junior formulas, but then also you know we've had drivers in MotoGP, um, good motocross drivers, uh, everything with an engine really really mm -hmm. goes for the Finns, and they, they love it, you know, it's very very popular in Finland. And for me, you know, as a young young kid doing the racing in, in Finland um, for the first half of my go-kart career, the level was really good, you know, it really made me to, to work hard if I wanted to win, win races, so that was really a big benefit because when I moved to Europe then to race, um, if you were, let's say, top three in, in Finnish championship, you went to European championships and you right. would be top ten or top five, so the level was really good. And yeah, we had this system already from, I think I was 12 when I joined kind of the national uh, squad uh, for, for the go-karting and you know, we, we just had these kind of different camps uh, that we attended. Uh, we've, there was no driving in, in, in those kind of things, but it was mainly about driver development, uh, analysis of, of driving, you know, sharing uh, things or even that age with different drivers and, you know, going into fine details of driving, just speaking about those in, in like a classroom and you know having open talks and trying to develop each one's weaknesses and make the strengths even better and, and share them. And then we had like training camps and you know just kind of giving a guide to a young driver how to be a professional one day and preparing for that and actually some media kind of um, coaching and things like this. So. It was pretty cool, you know, it, it was a massive help and they're still doing it for the young kids and I hope we can see the results in, in the future. At that time, was there any other sports that you were interested in at school or were you just solely karting? For me, I tried lots of sports as a, as a kid. I was lucky, I was born in a in a, a small small town but lots of sport opportunities and obviously in Finland we have proper winter so we can do winter sports and then in the summer, summer sports. Um, I tried football was not a big fan, that ended up pretty quickly, but um, yeah, around I was five as well, I started ice hockey. So every winter I played ice hockey, um, you know, lots of games and, and training, and then every summer I was driving go-karts, and uh, there was a point I had to choose one of them, which was easy decision for me, it was, it was always racing was number one, but ice hockey I, I loved really, really a lot, and eventually I stopped when I was 15, so I played 10 years. As both you know seasons were starting to collapse and uh, sort of collide, and uh, yeah, but I really learned learned a lot about teamwork in that sport. It's very different mentality to being in the race car on your own, although surrounded by the team. But learned a lot, a lot of good things, and obviously good for your motoric skills as, as well as, as a kid. And it's pretty high tempo sport, so I think it was a, was a good thing for me. And how did your parents view you doing the two sports then? Because one is pretty safe on the ice, and then the other one, knowing that you had F1 aspirations, was there every time whenever they tried to kind of curtail you and say, mm, I don't really want my son doing this, because I can imagine if I was a parent, I would just direct my kid towards a safer sport. But I guess whenever you're, your son has such a passion for a sport, you just got to let him flourish. Exactly. You know, they never never said, you know, you should do this or, or this. They always let the decision for, for me and they just supported the best they could. So I'm very, very lucky about that. They were so kind of flexible and they, 
but you know when when they saw me driving the go-kart for the first time there was no doubt you know they saw how much I loved it and they knew exactly that there's no way I'm gonna kind of, kind of give up on, on this kind of dream and doing this so got the full support really really from from my parents and friends and and everyone and I can't recall a time even though my, my parents were working you know normal jobs um, from early morning till late and you know in the, in the summer days when we have lots of light in Finland I still wanted to go after the school to the go-kart go track and I can't recall a time that uh, they said no so they always made the time somehow and I don't know how we survived financially but you know <laughs> we made it although lots of support from local companies in the end and and so on but at times it was pretty difficult and uh, got a massive support from them and but yeah so I'm, I'm very lucky with that yeah so tough uh, karting is an expensive sport and then when you're going up through the ranks in karting and you're you're winning championships and then the automatic move then is to, to single seaters but that's even more money so you got to be winning first to, to get the interest um, for people to, to back you financially so it is kind of it's a double-edged sword you know <laughs> you may have the passion for it but if you're not fast you're you're not a, not going to get the chance to progress but thankfully you are winning races you're winning championships in Finland so the opportunity came to step up onto single seaters then yeah and how old were you at that stage I think I was 17 when I had my first season in, in single seater so that was former Renault uh, and that was like a northern European uh, series which I think I ended up third in the in the championship at my first year um, I was racing for at that time pretty small Finnish team called Koiran and Brothers and we got like a nice deal with them with some 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 test days and, and the season and they really you know, came towards us with a, with a budget and we did it very low budget and actually sometimes between the races as you know when I was younger I started to be a car mechanic so sometimes I was changing the gears of the gearbox myself you know with the, with the mechanics and just helping out and you know these kind of things so cool. um, we found the money for, for that season from lots of support from local companies and um, yeah, my family put everything they could for it and it was worth it because at my first season, you know, I won a couple of races, and um, you know, there, there was people that could see my talent. Um, and then for the year after, what made it possible to proceed was I got my management team around me, and finally, Mika Hakkinen was one of them. So, really? Uh, yeah, exactly. So they've been then helping me out since then. So 2008, got a team around me. They obviously helped with the, with the costs and. Um, things started to go pretty well from that. Yeah, and the important thing once again was to be winning, and you were. Yeah. So you were stepping up through um, Formula Renault a couple of years, uh, winning championships as well, which doesn't come easy because I've, I've read the list, even with a lot of the other drivers that I've been talking to for earlier episodes of the podcast, and it's incredible whenever you see you, your name and so many other guys' names, you're like, oh, wow, they were battling against each other 10 years ago, and it, you guys were at a similar age, and you were all fighting to, to be the next big thing and that's such a tough thing because in this sport they're looking for that guy that is winning the championship so if you finish second you could, that's the difference between uh, getting that opportunity to to step up or just not making it unfortunately and that's that's the tough thing about our sport but i think whenever there's such a few seats in formula one they're coveted so you need to be the guy that is performing on black and white and unfortunately 
doesn't matter if you're fast and if this happens and that happens, it is on black and white, isn't it? So you got to have that Palmares where you look through. And when I say your Palmares, it's pretty impressive because you win a couple of championships in Formula Renault and then you step up again uh, after that. Was it uh, Formula 3? So the next stage after that? Yeah. So you you were always uh, at the top of the timesheets and you were battling with uh, guys that now are at the, the top of the sport as well. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it must be nice to look back and you think that you guys were just kids and uh, so many of you have broke through. Yeah, so so many good memories. You know, many many of the guys made it through, but much more of the people didn't. Um, which, um, yeah, the, the competition is already so, so tough in the single-seaters and... Like you said, going up up the categories. If you're dreaming about Formula One, if you're aiming there, you need to win. You know, no no top team is gonna be looking at you know number two, so number three. They want the winners, and you know one way or another. You know, I always managed to even in F three, which was kind of the toughest time I had. I didn't win the championships. Um, there was another engine manufacturer uh, that was winning at that time in F three. Uh, but I won the, the most important races and that you know allowed me to move up to GP3, uh, which is now called F3, at a right. F1 race weekends. And um, the first half of the season, actually, after that, I was like around 10 in the championship. Um, but we made a big turnaround with the philosophy of the car setup and really kept working hard. And I won on each of the, of the remaining events of the second half of the season and I, I won the championship. And again, that was one of the moments that I was really on, on a knife edge, you know, if I can continue my career or, you know, what's going to happen. But with that win, then I got the opportunity uh, by Williams uh, to be a reserve driver, a test driver, and actually to be doing some Friday practice sessions during the Grand Prix weekend. And at that time, it was Bruno Senna and Pastor Maldonado as a race driver. And... Um, yeah, doing the Friday sessions, there was many occasions I was quicker than the, the race drivers and then I got the seat for 2013 with Williams and had my debut in uh, Australia and uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of fun and scary to <laughs> think about those moments that it was so important to do well and if you failed you know, over one season, sometimes one race could have made a massive difference. I have no clue where what would be right now. so. I'm just happy everything has went as, as it went. Yeah, those pivotal moments. And like you said, that when you started that season with a, a lot of results that were down in the order and you were down in 10th in the championship, then to turn it around and win the title with so many race wins in the second half of the year. If you hadn't made that big turnaround, and even if you'd finished second in the championship, which may have been, say, one point behind, I think doors mightn't have opened up. So uh, your team at that stage was James Collado. Yeah, well, that's uh, correct, yeah. yeah, I know. Uh, of James as well, but you know he didn't get the opportunity through to Formula One, so you gotta keep winning, and it's pretty ruthless. But while it's great to be racing cars and uh, doing the, this job, and if you don't cut the mustard, and sometimes one point can be the difference. Yeah, it's got it's all about timing, and you obviously did. So the doors opened up then mm-hmm. to, to get with Williams, and that year out then you had whenever you were the reserve driver was that pretty tough because that was the first year in a long time when you weren't actually in competition. Yeah, it was first year since five-year-old that I wasn't racing. I was just doing the Friday practices, but I went to every single Grand Prix and um, I was always observing, always trying to learn whatever I could from the race drivers. Um, between the races, I was spending my time at the factory. Uh, at that time, I was living in Oxford, so Williams is pretty close from Oxford, so 
um, spending my time there with engineers and doing lots of simulator work and really working for for my future. And, um, it was a long year, felt like a long time, but now looking back, definitely worth it. Well, I, I had a few years out from racing whenever I went from motocross to road racing because my brothers went road racing and I was too young and financially having three boys, road racing was so expensive. Mm. And I look back at those years that they were a godsend for me because I'd been doing it from when I was five years old and the motivation was kind of waning. So those years out from competition actually really helped uh, the hunger in me. Um, you isn't a case of you don't realize what you've got until it's taken away. So I bet that year, whenever you were enjoying, I'm sure driving the car, but racing's different, isn't it? You really yeah. missed that. Definitely missed it a lot. You know, it's you know, and especially like the race, the last race I had. You know, it just reminds you of you know why you do this, and especially when you have the results and things are going well, it's the best best feeling ever. You know, and um, I just love competition. You know, I'm pretty competitive in everything I do, and especially if I, you know, go for something hundred percent, then yeah, I really enjoy the whole whole process on of you know developing yourself and you know close fighting, close racing, and thinking what you're gonna better, whether it's about the next corner, or next lap, or next race, and all this. So I just love it. And which years was it then that you were called up um, uh, for the army things? I know Mickey Callio as a MotoGP rider, he had to do the same. And during his career, it was tough to, to juggle. So which years did you have to um, to manage that? So I went in, in 2008. So that was my second season in Formula Renault. And that year I was racing in the Northern European Cup and also the Euro Cup, in the Euro Cup with uh, Ricciardo. Right. And actually, I remember the, um, the last race we had, which was deciding the title. I came straight from the forest, being there one or two weeks in a, in a Finnish forest. Luckily, they let me go uh, to, to the race and um, I got a stomach bug in that race and I really was feeling tired and I don't know maybe part reason being at like a camp in, in a forest in, in the army so uh, but yeah still managed to get enough points in that race so I won the, won the title but yeah so I started oh, I was kind of over the winter for six months which is the minimum time um, for sports people um, you can get that and uh, I think it's a good thing you know I, looking back yeah, sometimes it was tough, but mostly lots of fun and definitely looking back, many funny moments and it makes many, you know, boy, a man, yeah. I think. And you, you learn lots of manners and lots of um, respect and order and lots of good things. So, you know, we're a small nation, so we need to be able to, you know, keep uh, our, our uh, you know, side if, if needed. So <laughs> I think it's a, it's a good thing, but yeah. I don't miss those winter nights uh, sleeping in the forest. Oh, I can only imagine how that yeah, must it, have been. It can get pretty cold in Finland, so yeah. But that uh, instills discipline in you and some toughness because, like you say, winter in Finland, well, those nights must have been yeah. pretty cold, but uh, yeah. it gives you a sense of appreciation for, for what you've got now and pushed you into to earn this career. Exactly, yeah. So sometimes if, if the shower is cold for some reason, I don't mind. I've had worse. So, uh, you know, it's uh, it definitely puts things into perspective, and it's uh, yeah, uh, just a reminder that nothing comes easy in this life. So. Uh, that's uh, something that is interesting for you guys. I can't imagine doing it. It's um, I know Mika Calio had to do it as well. Um, nah, definitely, I'm sure. Like you said, makes a boy into a man. Because mm -hmm. even for me, whenever I started. 
went from being a teenager just racing in British Championship and then once you have to go to Europe without your parents you gotta grow the fuck up because suddenly exactly, yeah. you're you haven't got a mum washing your clothes and all yeah. the rest you, you gotta grow up quickly so that's even more extreme doing what you had to do but it, it shapes your character it's interesting with all you uh, Finnish guys you are pretty stern you know you you're um seem like serious guys but you really all get a real dry sense of humor you know your, your humor is, is pretty cool and i think yeah. that's similar to ireland as well we're not as flamboyant but yeah. i think we like a, a bit of dry humor and subtle like i know the the radio messages that you did one was an absolute belter <laughs> uh, as a response to the james it's valtteri yeah. <laughs> i like that and that's a yeah, subtle like little bit of humor isn't nice. exactly yeah, it's dry humor i think it's the best thing you know it's funny sometimes because it's uh, i don't maybe sometimes express myself you know that well and the people who don't know me sometimes they have no clue if I'm joking or not, and I'm actually sometimes having lots of fun, you know, within myself, you know, doing jokes, and then they are figuring out if I'm, if I'm joking or not. So it's good fun for me, at least. It's the same for the Irish. Where you get that, where they'll say to us, "I'm not sure if you're being smart or if you're just really dumb," yeah. because we could fall <laughs> yeah. into either category. Yeah. They can't judge your expression. Yeah. And I know when the when you went to Formula One, then your first year, the the results didn't. Uh, didn't come right away you know you had to serve your apprenticeship as such but a little bit like what you did from last year to to this year the transformation from year one to year two then to getting on the podium um then that really cemented your place in formula one yeah first year always is a tough one and i was in a one-year contract for the first year uh, williams had an option for for the future so it's all you know it is you either get the results you deliver or you go home you know that's how it goes so um it was tough tough first year because the car wasn't definitely there where it needed to be to really showcase your your skills and you know make those kind of results i only got um, one points finish in the whole season but at least i got more points than, than my teammates um who was already more experienced in in, in formula one and there was a couple of occasions that I could really, really show some good pace. Um, I remember in 2013, my first year in Montreal, it was a wet qualifying, and uh, I managed to get third place in, in the qualifying with a car that was normally qualifying around 15th. So that was one of the highlights of the season, and the team could see, you know, in those three conditions that okay, I have some potential, um, and just with the consistency I managed to have and and the will to push the team forward, the will to work hard. The team decided to keep me for 2014, which was a lot better season. You know, it was the big regulation change into V6 hybrid engines. Um, the aerodynamics of the car changed quite a bit and Williams got it right, definitely for, for, for at least for the, for the first year and multiple podiums, you know, suddenly, uh, which was way better than the first year. and. Um, Felipe Massa as my teammate, um, he got some podiums too. You know, we were having really good season and finished actually third in the constructors championship as a, as a team. So for Williams, that time that was a really good season. That's so brutal though to come into Formula One on a one-year contract. What's your view on that? Because um, I always say with the one-year contract, in my opinion, is pointless because it's a six-month contract, isn't it? Because suddenly by June or Sometimes earlier, they're already discussing uh, the following year. So, my view is to give a guy a two-year contract and and let him flourish without that extra pressure. But 
I guess their mentality is that they want a one-year contract to put the pressure on you to make sure you don't rest in your laurels. But all they have to do is look at your career and realize that, yeah, you're serious. <laughs> this isn't a guy that's just here to take part. So my view, two-year contract's often better, but that's the nature of the beast, isn't it? They just give a kid an opportunity and uh, you either sink or swim. That's my view too. You know, two years would be much better, but it's not their view. <laughs> you yeah. know, that it's, um, you know, because they can do it, you know, any, any driver entering Formula 1 would sign pretty much anything to, to get into Formula 1. And especially for me, with no, no big financial backing or anything, you know, I just had to take it what's available and then prove myself and go from there. Um, but I agree, you know, it's it's definitely can be pain in the ass to have one-year contracts and I've had a lot of those. And um, yeah, the fact is actually next year again, yeah, at some point I need to figure out my, my future, but um, things are going well now, so I should not stress about it. I should just keep doing my job and, and focusing on what matters and what matters is, is my performance and and keep feeling good, keep feeling happy and, and good in the car and deliver. And the rest will, will come, but um, it's how the sport works. You know, the teams, they always want to put them first. They always want to have the, all the options available for the future because they don't know, you know, if suddenly one driver isn't performing or if there's something new that comes up, um, can be related to sponsorships, things like this. So if they can do it, they will do it in this sport. When was the first moment for you then when you were able to sign a contract and they were paying you because I know in four ways it's so tough up through those and it's GP3 and GP2 often the guys aren't actually earning salaries we're in our sport because financially it's not just as as tough so in the lower categories we can earn a little bit of money to, to get by but for you guys I know that it isn't really until you get to, to the pinnacle so was it really just until you arrived in F1 before you were able to earn a salary? Yeah I got my first money that I could actually live properly um, when I started as a, as a test and test driver when I moved to um, to Oxford. It, that was 2010 when I joined Phil Williams as a, as a test driver and so then I, I could get a little bit of salary from there but nothing that I couldn't make any savings or anything. I could just, you know, live, live uh, normally. Um, but then as a race driver, yeah, I started to make, make some money. So it took a while but worth it and, you know, all those years doing formal rental, you know, formal tree, all that. I was on average living with a 15, 20,000 yearly budget myself. And, um, but yeah, I, I was, you know, I was happy. You know, obviously the cash, it doesn't bring the happiness. Obviously it can create some opportunities, but you know, I was at least as happy then as I'm happy now. So, um, but it, yeah, it's, um, that's how it goes, you know, it's a, it's a massive sport and only, only at the top, then you get paid, which is obviously a nice bonus for, for doing what you love. Yeah, it's not easy because you're all, you're all in and you had to go and move to Oxford and barely earning anything. So if you don't make it, there isn't a backup plan. So I think that's part of why you've got to be a, of a certain mentality to, to make it to the top because some guys aren't willing to do that and they just say well I'm, I'm not willing to go all in because if shit hits the fan here I've got nothing so thankfully it's worked out and you're now Formula 1 for well it's incredible how the years have racked up for what yeah. 7 years or so now I think it's 7th year actually yeah, yeah and winning races and with Williams you're always a bit your teammate there and at the end of like, the 2016 season 
Were you um, set to sign again, again with uh, Williams for the whole um, before I Rosberg? Con- I had a contract already with Williams for 2017, um, but obviously it didn't happen. And uh, yes, we actually had like a few weeks before Nico's retirement, we had like an announcement um, thing at the factory announcing me for Williams for 2017 with Lance Stroll as my teammate. Um, but yeah, things went went a bit different. It was funny that actually from my side, I was I was in Abu Dhabi still after the race, um, and the news came in because we were testing still in Abu Dhabi for next season with Williams, and um, suddenly you know I was at the gym, I was um, on a stationary bike, and I was just watching some news, and then there was news about Nico, so I just finished my training session, went back to my room, I called Toto, um, and I said. I need this seat, you know, it's my, my opportunity, you know, I'm ready for it, I'm ready to do whatever it takes to get to this seat and, and you know, with those few years at Williams actually, could really, really um, show my skills and had some decent results and every year being ahead of, of, of Felipe and, and so on. So in the end it worked out, it was a long winter with lots of calls and lots of not so fun meetings with Claire Williams at the factory. And um, there wasn't an easy way out, but uh, we made it work, we made it happen, and the team chose me for the seat, and for sure it's one of the highlight things that has happened to my career. Oh, Great really? example again, you know, being at the right place at the right time. We need it in your sport, it's all about the package, isn't it? So you're already performing very well in the Williams, but if you want to be fighting for the title, getting into the Mercedes, I bet whenever that's... You put pen to paper. That must have been like a dream come true because you knew then there was real potential to, to win races. And not too long into the season, then you, you landed your first win in Russia, but it wasn't an easy one. So how were those final few laps with uh, Sebastian Vettel mm-hmm. breathing down your neck and you just wanting <laughs> to reach that checkered flag? Yeah, it was an amazing feeling knowing you know, at that point that most likely in my first year at Mercedes, there's going to be an opportunity to win every race if I, if I perform. So... Yeah, it was incredible and obviously busy winter to catch up on everything, you know, changing teams. I only signed middle of January of the season, so it was quite short preparation and I was basically living in, in Oxford and spending all my time in Brackley at the factory, um, just learning and, and trying to be prepared for, for my first test, uh, for the first race. And yeah, I got my first pole, I think on the third race of the season in Bahrain couldn't turn that into a win, but then the next race in Russia, um, yeah, my first win, which is a moment I'm never going to forget. It was so surreal you know, when it happened. Um, after defending those la- last few laps, um, Sebastian with a with a tire advantage, uh, putting pressure, just waiting for my mistakes, and yeah, you know, I could keep my calm and not do mistakes. I made it, and being on the podium. Just trying to figure out what's happening. That was very, that was pretty cool. Um, I've actually got a painting here at my home. You can see it now. Ah, cool. About that. That's um, I think that's from the last or second to last lap. Sebastian right behind me in that Sochi. So that reminds me of that moment, and uh, it's nice things to remember what you're capable of. And the, the number seventy-seven. Is there any specific reason behind that? I just like seven. 
So I thought <laughs> one and to make two songs. Honestly, there's not much more than that. So. <laughs> That's as simple as it is. Yeah. I thought there was going to be some some meaning. No, but... Sorry for that. <laughs> stories for that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, winning uh, three races that first year, second year we talked about already. That was so mm-hmm. tough, but. I think you should be proud of how you, you bounced back this second season, already winning four races. Um, last time out was pretty impressive. I know you wanted to, to win that one, and there's still two more opportunities left. I think I'm looking forward to seeing 2020. I think uh, this could be the, the year. If I look from the mid-season, the, the points difference between you and Lewis has pretty much stayed constant around, in around that kind of 60-odd points. Just, uh, those couple of rounds in the middle of the season must have been tough whenever... Uh, the crash in the, the wet where you lost out in points and uh, looking from there you've been so strong and if you can finish uh, this season the next two rounds and reduce that deficit further I think Lewis knows you're coming yeah thanks you know that's what I'm thinking of exactly so really really can't wait what's ahead in the future and and with the, seeing the, the right way uh, the good good momentum and yeah like I said earlier feeling the improvements uh, being able to make um very excited about the future and hopefully 2020 can be the year that I dreamed of as a kid, as a five-year-old. So going to work hard for that. I just need to need to make sure I keep focusing on the main things, you know, how the performance comes and, you know, keep myself happy, you know, keep enjoying it, which is one of the most kind of underrated things um, that many sport people can do is, is if you forget enjoying it, you can see it in the results. So keep myself happy you know full gas yeah, I think you'll have the support of the entire motorsport world because everyone likes the underdog and I think now we're starting to see that hang on there could be a, a real fight in our hands for next year so it's going to be good obviously the the goal is to be Formula 1 world champion you stated that 25 years ago mm-hmm. and now at the start of this year you did the Arctic Rally is that something that you're interested in doing in the future or was that just for fun because you were pretty damn fast compared to any other guys that have went in and dabbled in it on one attempt you went in and you were pretty impressive and you win one stage yeah it was my first ever rally actually while I was having tough times in 2018 um, at the end of the year I, I actually signed for the rally I thought you know it would be nice to try because I've always been keen to try so did a bit of testing a few days went for the rally with not much experience about rallying but I had so much fun you know it's such a different sport obviously and difficult sport to jump into from some from um, racing on the circuits but I felt so free uh, with a massive smile on my face the whole week of the rally and uh, you know, there's some really cool and fast stages in, in Lapland and actually the grip on the, on, the, on the ice and snow is pretty pretty impressive with those cars so they got a stunt in the tires yeah like proper stunts yeah you can, I think it was 8 or 10, 10 mils you could choose for different stages and but yeah enjoyed it a lot and it is something I'm, I'm going to do more of for sure I've already since then I've done some test days um, during the August break I was testing with Ford again in, in uh, on tarmac and also Citroën uh, on tarmac. I'm actually planning to do a rally one week after Abu Dhabi in South France. Uh, it is for fun, I, I love it. I'm gonna do more of it one day more, but also I believe it's, it's really good for me because it's another thing um, away from F1 that I can do that I really enjoy. And at the same time, I always believe that whatever you drive, um, you know whether it's got four three or two wheels but that, as long as it has an engine and you control it i think it's good for you you know because it's 
it's always so difficult to explain what a driver needs, you know, to be quick and to, to improve and improve your car control and everything. But I just believe if you drive, you know, something flat out, you're always going to pick up something and your brain, how it works, it can always learn something about it and your muscle memory and everything. So love driving anything. Yeah, that's it. It's hard to quantify how to improve, isn't it? It's not something you can just uh, write down and say, today I learned this. It is just about being behind the wheel. And for us, we more more recent years, we ride off-road like Mark Marquez, the MotoGP mm-hmm. world champion. He's a guy that changed the sport because he rides so many different disciplines for fun, but also to, to hone his, um, his talent. And if you're enjoying it, that's key too. For me, in the last years, I've always tried on a Monday of a race week to go and ride some motocross or trials or something. Yeah. For fun and since i've started doing that i arrived smiling on the thursday mm. and in the past whenever i arrived stressed out on thursday you're not going to get less stressed over the weekend you're only going to get more stressed so i always try and uh, chill out and sounds like uh, you've learned the same lesson from what you did the winter where it was tough you went and rallied at the start of the year you came out singing in australia and won and then again after the mid-season when you had a couple of tough races you hopped in a rally car again mm. began smiling and yeah you've been on fire so my advice would be to keep on rallying yeah, and, and invite me as well so that I can enjoy. <laughs> I'll invite you for sure one day. It's, it's good fun. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's so important to have that balance in life to other things as well. And yeah, keep your thoughts away from um, F1 sometimes because it can be 24-7. So yeah, it's important. Well, happy driver is a fast driver. Exactly. <laughs> Cheers to that, Valtteri. And we'll be watching the, the last two rounds and uh, let's grab another win. That would be cool. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.